It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Friday episode of Locked On Raptors, we continue our player review series with a look at Numero Vance himself, Chris Boucher, who this season underwent maybe a bigger transformation than any player on the Raptors roster. He's a winning player now. We'll talk about how he got there, what still needs work in the offseason, whether the Raptors should be bringing him back in the offseason. Spoiler alert, yes, they should. That's all coming up on today's episode of Locked On Raptors. Thanks for being here. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, Every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the free top of the Hail Mary 3 by Mopey. Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1173 of Locked on Raptors for Friday, May the 7th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. It's May the 6th. I have no idea what day it is ever. Uh, I am your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me, as always, on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked on Raptors. And you can subscribe to, follow, rate, review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts on all the different podcast apps in audio form. Plus, you can go to YouTube and join the nearly 2,000 people who have joined Jumped on the YouTube train over on the Lockdown Raptors channel. It's much appreciated when you support the show over there. Even if you're not going to watch the videos, just subscribe. It's so easy. You don't even need an account to do it. Just hit subscribe, and then you've helped the show out, and you have really made me happy and stroked my ego, which is the most important thing 
Of course. Uh, and as always, a big thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Also good for my ego. And with that, let's get to it on today's show. It's just me. Katie Heindel was going to be here. i hoping she's feeling better. She had a migraine headache uh, come on this morning. And boy, oh boy, a, a migraine headache is like the worst thing in the world. So I uh, hope Katie's feeling better. She'll be on next week. She's going to talk about OG and Anobi on her player review episode. We've got a fun slate of guests lined up for next week. But you just get little old me today. And we're going to talk about one, Chris Boucher, who was a guy who I had long been a skeptic on. Really did not buy into the Chris Boucher hype. Last season, even in Tampa, when he was putting up career-high numbers and bombing nearly 40% from three, I never really thought it was real or all that meaningful, right? It was a bad team. They were a really, really destitute roster, and Boucher had the opportunity to put up some good stats on a bad team, and that's kind of where I thought he was going to find his lot in life as an NBA player, and I didn't really think... He was going to be part of the long-term picture. If you had asked me at the start of the 2021-22 season, is this going to be the final season for Chris Boucher in Toronto? I would have leaned a hard yes, like 80%. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is it for Chris Boucher. He's just not a winning player. And what we saw from him this season was just an absolute transformation, which was a wonderful story to track and continues just an insane story that is the NBA career, college career, pre-college career of Chris Boucher, and it's been really cool to see him find his niche in the NBA and really kind of embody a lot of the spirit that the Raptors are looking for when it comes to the types of guys that they employ and the type of style that they play. He's just been a perfect fit for that this season, and so we're going to dig into the good, the bad, and what comes next for Chris Boucher on today's episode. Also going to dig into the stat of the year and the play of the year, and was Chris Boucher robbed for sixth man of the year? We'll get into that in the stat of the year coming up a little bit later on, but first we should get to the big takeaway, the big positive takeaway which we're starting all of these player review episodes off with and that is that Chris Boucher is a winning basketball player now and one the Raptors really can't afford to lose he fits the spirit and the sort of again the the ethos of this team so perfectly and the role that he's occupied coming off of the bench bringing in some chaos just slamming the offensive glass in a way that very few players in the NBA this season did he ranked in the 90th percentile in terms of impact on offensive rebounding when coming on the floor the Raptors offensive rebounding rate increased by 4.3 percent when he jumped on the floor and that was such a huge driver of the Raptors possession gaming which was again their big strategy all season long not a very good half court team not a ton of shot making on the roster not a ton of creation but boy oh boy could they crash the offensive glass and put back missed possessions and Chris Boucher was incredible at that he just you know was a an all-encompassing force whenever he hit the floor the Raptors tended to turn things around and you find yourself a lot of times you know you think back to times where the starters were struggling or when you know they were just kind of coming out of the gate a little bit slow that small starting five in particular was kind of having some trouble at times. We've talked about this week, their numbers and why, I, you know, they're sort of what's behind their awkward numbers and the sort of, is the data behind them meaningful? Is it sort of noisy? Whatever it might be. You know, there were certainly moments where the starts of games for the Raptors this season were trouble and you were just kind of sitting there waiting like, all right, when's Boucher coming in, baby? When's he coming? When's he coming? And when he would come in, he would be fantastic. And, and you know, he did it all completely kind of reworking his game, which is not an easy thing for a guy who's 28, 29 years old to do. Uh, you know, a guy who 
for most of his career, you know, in the G League and college, and then, you know, sort of, I guess, last season as well, has been a bigger focal point a lot of the time. And, you know, I think the real sort of highlights of his career have come when he's occupied that more sort of chaos-inducing bench role. You think back to 2019-20, when he wasn't like a terribly impactful on-court guy. That said, you know, his numbers are a little bit noisy because that team was just so bloody good. Their starters were just unbelievable. They were killer in the clutch. Times where Chris Boucher wasn't really on the floor, so his on-off numbers get a little bit skewed that way but you know he, he was still quite good that season just not to the degree that he was this year but we've seen him in his best NBA seasons 2019-20 and then this past season he's occupied that sort of lower usage he's just going to do the dirty stuff and he's not sort of bothering himself with all right well I gotta you know work in some threes and I gotta dribble and put the ball in the deck a whole bunch he just didn't do that and he became such a lovely off-ball player for this team really became a nice cutter as well which is a really impressive thing um you know to just sort of pick up and sort of as a counter to his lack of three-point shooting this season which we'll get to in the second set segment that was a really nice thing you saw obviously the chemistry with Thad Young really formed near the end of the season but there were plenty of moments where he was the benefactor of all the attention that a Pascal Siakam or a Fred Van Vliet was receiving tons of times you just see Chris Boucher cut baseline for an easy dunk or to go in and collect the offensive rebound and put it back um just just a wonderful wonderful offensive season from him in a very low usage and low impact and low um sort of you know, not very hands-on role, he still managed to make his presence known, averaging nearly nine points a game, or north north of nine points a game. Um, On defense as well, this is kind of where I'd always really had my issues with Chris Boucher. Wasn't really a sound positional defender, was sort of from like the school of Hassan Whiteside a little bit, where the blocks are incredibly loud and highlight reel and, and just, you know, kind of shocking when you see them at times. But they were coming as a result of him being out of position, not really playing within the Raptors scheme. And we know from watching the Raptors play defense over the last really three seasons, when there's a weak link in that constantly rotating chain of stepping into the vacated space to then fill in for the guy who's gone to go help or contest a shot or whatever it might be, you know, when there's one loose creaky wheel or one loose chain link, whatever it might be, that causes the whole thing to fall to shit. (laughs) And Chris Boucher did a wonderful job this season of playing within himself and just kind of realizing, oh yeah, I'm six foot nine and cover so much ground and my arms go for days. I don't need to find myself out of position to be a great defender because I can just sort of, you know, make those highlight reel plays by also just staying where I need to be. Like he, he just really kind of controlled himself on defense this season in a way more pronounced way than he ever has. And it all comes into him being a winning basketball player. Just a really, really special transformative season for Chris Boucher. And at this point, considering what the Raptors are trying to do, considering the Raptors don't have a million options available to them in terms of guys around the league who are six foot nine, who can play the Raptors defense, who know are, and are kind of schooled in the scheme and and are disciplined enough to operate within it, that's not an easy type of player to find. Chris Boucher has been in the system now for, what, four or five seasons? He is attuned to what the Raptors are asking for, and to me, like he is priority number one this offseason. You have to bring Chris Boucher back because guys like him don't fall off of trees, 
and he's someone who really fits in with everything the Raptors are trying to do. And while he's not a guy who you're going to look to start necessarily in you know big high leverage games or anything like that, he is certainly a guy who you're looking at as, hey, like that could be our sixth or seventh best player, and you're pretty happy with that if you sort of dot the second unit around with a little bit more shooting, a little bit more ball handling, whatever it might be. He can slide in very nicely, and he fits next to basically any one of the Raptors' bigs now as well. You know, he can play next to Kem Birch, and that's been a pretty nice pairing, actually. Kind of a replication of what we saw in the very best moments of Boucher in the Tampa season, where he was really excellent playing next to Aaron Baines for stretches before the whole season went down the tubes. He was really great in that situation and not asked to play center anymore. You know, he played 65% of his minutes per cleaning the glass at the at the four this season. A much, you know, I think needed change. And honestly, the 35 minutes where he's at center, I don't even know how to really sort of calculate that because he's playing with guys, you know, Pascal Siakam was more sort of the nominal center when he was playing with him. Scotty Barnes played center. Like, I don't really think there were that many moments this year where Chris Boucher was asked to be like the clear out and out backline rim protecting center. And I think that really benefited him as well. He fits with Precious Achua, of course, we know that. Uh, he's going to fit with Thad Young, you would think, going forward if they can bring Thad Young back because of the chemistry they seem to have, the cutting that he brings to the table. You know, he just has become a really nice puzzle piece for the Raptors, a guy who I was 100% confident in the postseason with him being on the floor, something that would have absolutely knocked me on my ass if you said that was a thing that was happening at the start of this season. So all credit to Chris Boucher, a really awesome just a, a, a career-altering and defining season for Chris Boucher. It's really, you can't really mince words with it. He totally changed my outlook, changed, I think, the league's outlook and the Raptors' outlook on what Chris Boucher is as an NBA player, and that is to be celebrated. On the other side, we're going to get into the bad stuff, which mostly just is tied up in his three-point shooting. We'll talk about whether that's an anomaly, whether it's possible for him to get back to that 38.7% mark he hit in the 2021, or 2020-2021. There are too many 20s in this decade. I hate saying the years, and I will hate, hate it for the next 10 years. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it's, it's brutal. Either way. We will talk about you know whether he can get back to the plateau or the peak that he hit in 2020-21 in Tampa, or whether there's maybe sort of a middle ground between the 29% he hit this year and that career-high year he had a season ago. So we'll get to that in just one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar. We're making the best-tasting protein bars you can find. I am finally back exercising, baby. I busted out my bike yesterday. It's something I typically like to do like three times a week, but the last couple months have been uh, crappy weather, and I've been sad, and I've been sitting around doing nothing. But I now have more reason to have my Built Bars because they are a great way for me to power up for a long bike ride. I can bring one with me. I can stuck it in my pocket or my backpack, whatever it might be, if I'm going for a longer bike, and that is a great snack for me to have midway through a ride after after a ride, before a ride, whatever it might be. If you, like me, are finally getting off of your ass and starting to exercise again now that the old seasonal effective is wearing off, Built Bar is an awesome way to power up your workout and also make you feel like you're indulging. It's kind of awesome. You have something that kind of tastes like a candy bar just before you go for a workout. It's It doesn't really compute in the brain, but it does, and it powers you through. It's a nice meal replacement. Even if you're not going for a workout, if you don't want to have a heavy breakfast, highly recommend a Built Bar to fill that hole in the morning as opposed to some heavy, heavy meal. I'm not a heavy breakfast person. Maybe you are, but if you are like me and not, uh, you can go have a Built Bar, and it'll be a great way to start your day. Most bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs and 17 grams of protein you can go to built.com use the promo code locked 15 to get 15 percent off your order that's the promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off at built.com 
This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day, talking about Chris Boucher with his player review episode here. And we move now into the second segment, which is the bad, the stuff that needs work, the stuff that can be improved upon going into next season. And really the only quibble you can find with what Chris Boucher did in the role that he was asked to play this season is that he didn't shoot the three at all very well. He shot this season on, let me just pull up the numbers to be exact here, 2.9 attempts a game, so down a full attempt from last season. I think kind of speaking to his realization that it doesn't have to be super three dependent, which is not a bad thing necessarily, um, but he did shoot just 29.7% on 2.9 threes a game not what you want he was at 38 point not i said 38.7 earlier he was at 38.3 last season which is a really really excellent mark on 3.9 attempts a game i'm fine if he's at two and a half three attempts a game as opposed to four or more that's no problem to me if he can just knock down a couple more of those you know a week that is a big game changer and something that you know we saw in the postseason can be a huge huge salve for the raptors when their offense is sort of you know a little bit screwy a little bit bogged down having Chris Boucher standing in the corner has been a pretty reliable thing for the Raptors. And even this season, it was kind of a reliable thing for the Raptors. He was just fine from the corners. I'm looking at the numbers here on NBA.com with a shot chart. From the right corner, he was 20 of 42 for a 47.6%, uh, you know, more than or about nine percentage points higher than league average. From the left corner, nine of 25 from three. And uh, from the right wing, he was 21 of 54 for 39%. Where he really was done in was at the top of the arc, nine of 41, just 22%, well below league average of 34. And then the 34% league average from the left wing, uh, he was uh, 22 percentage points below that at 12.3%, 8 of 65 from the left wing. And so the fix might be kind of easy here for the Raptors and Chris Boucher. It might just be a matter of him standing in different spots on the floor, just standing in the corner and being a corner three-point shooting guy, stick him there like P.J. Tucker and just let him take those shots that he's proven he can knock down. He just didn't have it from above the break. It's bizarre to see that disparity between the right wing and the left wing. I'm not really sure what that's all about. The fact that the left wing is where he took the most threes from when it comes to these five zones we're talking about, also pretty weird to try to parse. I don't really understand that either. But if you just look at that shot chart and realize, okay, you know, this is a guy who 
can shoot from the corners pretty reliably, did so last season as well. Maybe that's just his lot in life. He's a corner catch-and-shoot guy. You don't need him above the break. He's not going to run pick-and-pop for you necessarily. Get him rolling downhill as a roll man, or don't use him as a screener at all and just stick him in the corner. And eventually, teams are going to start after worrying about that three-point acumen from in those corners. And if they're not, then you've, you know, you've got cuts available to you and things like that, which he's proven he can be quite good at, especially creeping along the baseline. So, yeah, I, I would just say the, the improvement here might just be the distribution of his threes next season get him away from above the break threes except for apparently the right wing which again super weird i'm going to guess that's probably a bit more of an anomaly than anything else but if you get him in the corners especially that right corner where he was just deadly this season i think that can be a a way to sort of get a bit of a bounce back for chris boucher from downtown and address some of the shooting issues the raptors have had you know boucher shot 29 percent this season i just talked about that but he was 32 percent since the like after the all-star break again not amazing or anything like that but a slight uptick kind of leaves you thinking he's not going to be a 29 percent guy next season he shot 40 percent from three in the six games of the postseason against philly as well for me that seems like too high a bar to shoot for the 38 percent from the tampa season seems like too high a bar to shoot for but if you can get chris boucher knocking down 34 percent of his threes if you can get the whole team kind of at like a 34 percent baseline like that is going to totally change the shape of the floor change the amount of help that pascal siakam is seeing because all these guys are threats and if you can kind of reestablish chris boucher as just like a fine league averages three-point shooter that seems like something you can aim for and he's got the you know the juice over a couple of seasons now to show that there are spots he can hit three hit threes from and that is uh something i hope that they kind of look into and reorganize where he's standing on the floor going into next season um you know he, he's just uh he's a fun player man i i had a lot of fun watching chris boucher this season and the threes that he does put up always feel like total backbreakers as well like the anecdotally they feel like the best kind of threes for the raptors to get and for them to go down just because especially this season they felt so rare and it does feel like when chris boucher is having a game where he is knocking those down it's more or less impossible for the raptors to lose so it would be really great to see if they could see that uh that, that efficiency from outside uptick a little bit again just with a slight redistribution of where his shots are coming from because he does have the pedigree of hitting shots from the corner and again you know if you can get for a 34 35 percent uh if you can get a 34 35 percent mark out of him next season on two and a half three attempts a game i think you're laughing and i think you've really addressed a big problem that the raptors had this season when it came to their space you know boucher just dropping off a cliff from where he was in the tampa season was a big hit to what the raptors were doing wasn't really even helped and addressed until pressures at chua started bombing threes and that you kind of got a little bit of that depth shooting but if you can have both precious and boucher bombing threes like good luck like it is it's going to be a nightmare uh for opposing defenses to try to figure out like all right what are we sacrificing here because you know boucher is a dangerous off-ball guy he's dangerous on the cut he's dangerous shooting threes precious we know can put the ball on the deck on a closeout like it just makes the defense have to think that much more and the more you can make a defense think the more fruitful it's going to be for your offense. And that's kind of the rule of basketball. Um, With that, that's kind of all I got on the bad stuff for Chris Boucher, man. I mean, yes, there are some nights where it's inconsistent or whatever, but that's why he's a bench player. Some guys aren't cut out to be amazing 35-minute-a-night guys every single night, bringing it the same heat every single night. That's fine. There's only so many guys like that in the NBA. So really for me, the shooting, getting it back to something reasonable where teams actually are kind of worried about him as a three-point shooter is kind of the real piece of improvement for Chris Boucher. If he does 
everything he did this season and just knocks down a couple more threes a week, that is a complete success to me in my eyes when it comes to developing Chris Boucher for next season. I'm not looking for like on-ball chops necessarily from Boucher. I'm not looking for him to learn how to put it on the deck. He can do it sometimes. He can get the ball going in transition and whatnot. He's done that quite a bit in the G League in the past, and he's had some moments in the NBA. Um, But really, I I I think... There's not that much of a sort of cause for concern if he doesn't become an on-ball threat, if like with the ball in his hands, kind of putting it on the floor. If he's just a guy who can knock down catch and shoots and make the odd sort of uh, you know catch and shoot and not catch and shoot, catch and drive past the closeout without it being sort of a huge staple of his game, I think that's totally fine. One other thing I did note as well, uh, didn't note in the positive stuff off the top, is that he became the Raptors' charge king this season. That was cool to see. The team still had fewer charges, I think, combined than Kyle Lowry had all season uh, for the Heat, but uh, it was nice to see Chris Boucher kind of carry the mantle of taking charges from Kyle Lowry and keep that tradition alive. Even though now, officially, that Kyle Lowry's out of the the Raptors' system, I am uh, anti-charge. The charge should be gone. It's a bad play. It's dangerous. What are we talking about? It's not even basketball. What are we doing here? Get rid of it. Uh, anyway, we'll continue on here, and we're going to round out the show with our stat of the year, the play of the year, and the outlook for 2022-23 for Chris Boucher. Lots of contract talk coming up, and uh, they should be giving him some money, man. We'll get to that in just a second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at BetOnline.net. They're your number one source for all of your sports betting stats and info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, news, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball, Baseball, and this weekend's Run to the Roses at the Kentucky Derby, baby. Uh, lots of great stuff you can get into over there. I, personally, am a person who is uh, a fan of the Happiness Hedge, which is where your sports team is playing a game, and you bet against them so that if your team wins, you are happy, but if your team loses, you at least get some money to make yourself feel a little better, and I've been doing that with the Toronto Maple Leafs, baby. The team that is constantly making me feel sad, might as well make some money off of them. They got Game 3 coming up tonight. Why don't you th- throw some money down on the Tampa Bay Lightning to beat them, and then if they lose, uh, if Lightning lose and the Leafs win, then you're feeling happy no matter what. Head to the website or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action at Bet Online, where the game starts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, and we move now into the final segment of our Chris Boucher player review where we are going to bring back our staple segments for these episodes the stat of the year the play of the year and the outlook for next season so for the stat of the year let's begin here my stat of the year for chris boucher is plus 5.1 which was his on-court differential when he was on the floor for the raptors they were 5.1 points 5.1 5.1 points per 100 possessions better when Chris Boucher was on the floor than not. The Raptors' defense got better when he was on the floor. The Raptors' offense got better when he was on the floor. He was just a wonderful, wonderful injection of sprightliness, chaotic energy, rebounding, defensive acumen, just flying around like a maniac, really fitting the Raptors' ethos. At times, the Raptors got their best defensive mojo rolling when Chris Boucher was out there. 
and it all kind of is reflected in the numbers. Look, last season, it's all very noisy. He had a better on-court differential last season in Tampa than he did this year. It was a plus 7.0. The defense got a little bit worse when he was out there. The offense got better, but for me, that really kind of just speaks to that was a brutal team that barely had its guys available and oftentimes was asking Chris Boucher to be a huge offensive contributor and he was one of the only guys making shots he had an outlier shooting season it makes sense to me that he had an impact more so on that team than he did on this this year's team because this year's team was better they had better starters they had better lineups when Chris Boucher wasn't out there so last year's positive differential like I said didn't really to me scream winning player it screamed guy who was one of the better players on a miserable miserable basketball team this year he was a positive contributor on a very good team and was kind of in the same range as Pascal Siakam Gary Trent Jr. Fred Van Vliet OG Ananobi the guys who drive winning on the floor Chris Boucher was right alongside those guys and he was also right alongside or actually I should say far superior to a lot of the guys who actually were nominated for six man of the year and to me if you're going on production and you know just like pure scoring totals obviously Chris Boucher is not winning your typical six man of the year award but I'm the kind of person who wishes the six man of the year award wasn't just about who scored the most points the loudest I think that sucks and I would much prefer the award go to the guy who comes off the bench and helps their team win the most it seems like it should be pretty rudimentary it is not but if you go and compare the on-off numbers for Chris Boucher and all the other candidates for six man of the year, Chris Boucher has them beat by a lot. 5.1, again, plus 5.1 per 100 possessions, the on-court differential for Chris Boucher. You compare that to Tyler Hero for the, of course, who won six man of the year. The Heat were plus 2.7 points better per 100 possessions when he was on the floor. Their offense got four points better. Their defense, however, got worse uh by you know half a point or, or half a percentage or so uh not good sorry they got worse by 1.3 points per 100 possessions i'm looking at the wrong column here on cleaning the glass this is all per cleaning the glass by the way a wonderful website you should pay for it uh it's pretty cheap and it's great either way uh tyler hero plus 2.7 about half of the on-court uh differential that chris boucher was putting up jordan clarkson the other candidate from the utah jazz for six man of the year a plus 3.3 Net rating uh, when he was or differential when he was on the floor versus when he was off. The offense for the Jazz got a little bit better. Their defense got a little bit better. Credit to Jordan Clarkson, good stuff, but still below that plus 5.1. Of course, look, you're going to value different things. Being able to be a huge scorer for a team is a valuable thing to have off the bench if you are starved for offense. I mean, the Raptors could have used a guy like that this season for sure. Gary Trent Jr. coming to you next year, baby. But either way, I, I think. You know, you could, again, it's all sort of a philosophical thing, right? Do you prefer the sort of gunner type who doesn't really change your sort of overall impact that much, but he helps you survive minutes? Or do you like the guy who comes in and totally changes games with his energy and his offensive rebounding and his defense? I'm going to side with the latter, but, you know, the voters obviously with this award, you tend to go with the guy who scores the most buckets. The other guy who was up for the award played a similar position to Chris Boucher I think a similar kind of role in that he wasn't asked to be one of the best players on his team and that's Kevin Love and he had a great season it was really awesome to see Kevin Love not throw temper tantrums anymore and be kind of happy when he was on the floor for the uh, Cavs this season it was a nice sort of redemptive season for him after a couple of really dark years there in Cleveland but he did not have a positive impact on the floor at all for the Cavs this year this point differential these the Cavs were 1.4 points worse 
per 100 possessions when Kevin Love was on the floor. That's way less than Chris Boucher's impact. It's very clear. The, the defense got worse. The offense got worse. He just was not as good a player for the Cavs in, in terms of driving winning as Chris Boucher was for the Raptors. So that plus 5.1 is my stat of the year for Chris Boucher. Again, speaking to the idea that he's a winning player. His uh, on-court differential is in the 79th percentile in the entire NBA. For a bench player, that's bloody impressive. And he was far beyond any of the other six man of the year candidates who got votes for the award and uh, should be credited. And look, is a guy like Chris Boucher ever going to win the six man of the year award when he goes for 9.4 points and 6.2 boards? Probably not, but I would like to see a bit of a sea change with how that award works because a guy like Chris Boucher would be a huge benefactor from that. And I would like to see him, uh, that, that type of player get some recognition because that's a good ass player. He was an absolutely game changing player for the Raptors this season and made them better when he was on the floor. That should be considered to me when you are talking about six man of the year. And this, yes, this is all coming from a guy who hated, 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 hated the Lou Williams season in Toronto. Maybe I'm still a little bit scarred. With that, let's move into the play of the year for Chris Boucher. And this is a tricky one because he had a weird season in that every game kind of blends together because it's just like, oh, there were five offensive rebounds and a bunch of putbacks and a couple of dunks and he made some great defensive plays. So there's not to me like a clear standout, wow, that Chris Boucher play, play is going to stay in my mind for the rest of time or anything like that. So I'm just going to go with a sort of blanket the Chris Boucher lob finish, which is a very special kind of lob finish that really was conducive to be happening on this team because of the number of bricks the Raptors threw up and the number of air balls the Raptors threw up. It must have happened like 15, 20 times this season. It happened two times in the same playoff game where the Raptors would put up an ill-fated three or mid-range jumper. And instead of hitting the rim, it would just land in the midst of Chris Boucher, who either was already on his way up to meet it or would have it sort of land in his hands and be like, oh, I guess I have this now. I should probably put this in the bucket. It was like my favorite recurring thing throughout the season. It's a shame none of those guys got assists for their ill-fated shots that led to those Chris Boucher lob buckets. But that, to me, is sort of like the type of Chris Boucher play that's going to stick with me for the rest of the offseason. And really, I'm going to associate it with Chris Boucher for the rest of time, frankly. It's just a very fun, weird, sort of quirky play that only really is happening on a team where you're missing shots as regularly as the Raptors do. And it just kind of speaks to the offensive rebounding, uh, like the demonic approach to offensive rebounding that the Raptors took this season and that Chris Boucher kind of embodied himself. So that's my play of the year. If I'm going to go with a game of the year for Chris Boucher, because I can't think of one specific play, I'm going to go with that Nuggets game in Denver where the Raptors pull off the win on the second half of the back-to-back -back after beating the Suns on the Friday. Chris Boucher was amazing in that game. I believe, let me find the box score here. I had it, and then I lost it. Uh, he, he had 21 points in that game. He had nine offensive rebounds. He was 8 of 15 from the field. He had four blocks. Like, he was just everywhere. You go back and watch the highlights of that game. The number of times he rises up for offensive rebounds with, like, three Denver Nuggets, including Nikola freaking Jokic around him, was remarkable. So that, to me, is my uh, sort of game of the year for Chris Boucher. But he had a lot of bangers, man. He had a really, really fun season. And, uh, you know, the, the sort of transformation he made. And we I've talked about this. 
I've talked about him for half an hour, didn't even really mention it. At the start of the season, he was miserable. The first month of the year, he was just completely unplayable. And in December, it really kind of turned around for him. And he just never looked back. And it was awesome to see. And those games, like the Nuggets game, became pretty regular. Like, games where he's just constantly filling the stat sheet in a short amount of time. And even when he wasn't filling the stat sheet, and in that game, he was 1 of 5 from 3, didn't bleed into anything else whatsoever. He was just excellent start to finish, regardless of the threes. You know, he just never let that bad shooting bleed into things. And even when he didn't have a big offensive night, he was still doing things defensively that were tremendous and hugely impactful. The offensive rebounding, of course, was kind of always a staple as well. That brings us to the outlook for the 2022-23 season for Chris Boucher to close out the show. And look, in the postseason press conference from Masai Ujiri, he mentioned Chris Boucher kind of alongside Precious and Pascal and Fred and Scotty and sort of the core guys that we all kind of associate with this team. And it does seem like the writing is on the wall, that Chris Boucher will be back in some capacity. He just fits really wonderfully within the team. And for both team and player, it seems like a situation where like the value of Chris Boucher to Toronto is probably higher than it is for most other teams because of the way the Raptors play, because of their focus on the offensive glass, because he fits their defensive ske- defensive scheme, and he is in fact six foot nine, which is the most prized thing in all of Toronto Raptorsdom. Uh, and so there seems to be like a pretty easy marriage there. Of course, he's Canadian. And there's that sort of passport connection as well. Doesn't seem like Chris Boucher itching to go anywhere, and. The thing with the salary cap situation around the league this season is there's not a ton of teams with a ton of cap space, and it doesn't feel to me like Chris Boucher, a 29-year-old guy who is a very good bench player, but probably not much more than that, that's not the type of guy that teams go and spend a ton of money on, right? Like the one team that kind of stands out where Boucher would be a really good fit is the Memphis Grizzlies to me. That's a team that is, of course, very committed to offensive rebounding. Having some extra big man protection behind Jaron Jackson Jr. would be nice because of the foul trouble there. But they're also loaded with bigs. They have Brandon Clark, they have Steven Adams, and they have a lot of money that they're going to have to start doling out to guys very soon. So I can't imagine they're going to be going and dropping big free agency money on Chris Boucher this offseason or anybody really because they got to kind of keep that money for their guys in house so that's really the only team that really stands out as like a big time threat maybe like the pistons or something like that but the pistons don't feel like they're in the point where they're a a chris boucher away from competing or anything like that and so it really does feel like there could be a pretty easy marriage between the raptors and boucher for next season and i really think it has to happen like if they lose chris boucher that could just signal it's a failure of an offseason. I don't think it's going to happen, but I do think he has to be priority number one, and bringing him back should be the thing that they're doing above all else, even when it comes to, you know, Thad Young. Maybe they have to pay Chris Boucher too much to make Thad viable to come back. If that has to be the case, I think that's fine, because I think Chris Boucher is that important to what the Raptors are trying to do here and what they're trying to build. Um just looking, uh, thank, as, thank you as always to our pal Daniel Hackett, who is our cap expert over at RaptorsHQ.com. Should probably get producer credits on this podcast for the number of times I ask him about cap stuff when we go into the offseason. Um, but I, I asked him for a bit of a breakdown on like what can they afford to pay Chris Boucher coming into the offseason. Uh, as it stands right now, the Raptors have $115.8 million committed to 11 guys for next season. They could waive either Delano Banton or, D- or Armani Brooks to save a little bit of money. Uh, and also, you assume that Svima Hailuk is going to opt into the second year of his contract with a player option. Um, I don't think they're going to waive Banton. They might waive Brooks. Brooks feels maybe to me kind of like a Freddie Gillespie case where it was a nice story, but just in terms of the overall vision of the team, maybe he doesn't quite slot in. Either way, they are going to have uh, about $32.4 million underneath the tax if they 
sort of go ahead and, and Svee opts in and they have Banton or Brooks, uh, that's where they're going to be about. $10.3 million would be the mid-level exception if they want to go and use that to bring in a shooter or an extra big or a or point guard or something like that. DeLon Wright, please bring in DeLon Wright. Either way, that's what the mid-level exception is for them, leaving about $22.1 million under the tax to bring back their own guys, Chris Boucher and Thad Young. Maybe Justin Champagny's in there as well. I got to double check what his contract situation is. I'm not going to do it on the fly here. We'll talk about Justin Champagny some other time. But either way, um, when you throw in the second round of the Raptors are going to bring in, it's about $21.1 million in room for two guys in Thad and Chris Boucher. So obviously, you know, I would like both of those guys to be back. That feels like enough money to make it happen. But maybe Chris Boucher is someone who is looking for a longer-term deal or, or a bigger commitment or more c- guaranteed money. I could see a situation where the Raptors say, hey, Chris, like here's a one-year $15 to $18 million deal just to get you in for next season. Then we'll figure it out again the year after when we have some contracts coming up. Fred Van Vliet's going to have his option that he's probably going to decline. Gary Trent Jr. is going to be declining his option. Next summer could get kind of expensive for the Raptors. And then you're already kind of looking down the barrel of Scotty Barnes extensions by then as well. It won't be until the year after that. But still, you got to keep all these things in mind. So I don't know if the Raptors are going to go on and go and pay Chris Boucher four years and, I don't know, $60 million or something like that. But if they want to keep him around for one year, maybe it's sort of a balloon payment to keep him in for one year. And then you can kind of reevaluate after that. You'll still have his bird rights and all of that. And so if that's the case and it's like an $18 million deal for Thad Young, you're probably only able to offer Thad, or sorry, $18 million for Chris Boucher. You could probably only offer Thad like $3 million or so or the minimum or whatever it might be. And that might be something where he goes and looks to greener pastures. But if they can get Chris Boucher for, you know, anywhere between 12 and 15, I think that leaves enough to give Thad what he would want to stick around. And you can keep those both of those guys in tow. Again, the problem is, is committing too much money to Boucher for too long. You know, probably a tradable contract. All the Raptors contracts are going to be tradable, you would think. They'll still be under the tax. Obviously, things get weird and difficult if, you know, guys start opting out and Fred and, and Gary Trent Jr. are up next summer. But... It, you know, I, I could see a, a one-year deal, maybe like a one-year deal with a team option or something like that for the second year with Chris Boucher at sort of a balloon-style payment, and we'll see. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's very feasible based on the layout that our pal Hackett has given me to keep both guys. But again, Boucher's got to be the priority, and if you have to dip into that pool too much to make it so Thad can't come back, I, th- I think you got to do it because Boucher is really, really valuable to what the Raptors are doing. And I would like to see another year of him within this sort of player archetype to see if there's other stuff that can be expanded upon, in particular the shooting that we talked about in the last segment. So with that, I think we can round out today's episode. Chris Boucher is a fun guy to talk about, man. Not has It's not always been the case. I was not always a big Chris Boucher guy. I will fully cop to being totally wrong about Chris Boucher. I think a lot of people were wrong about Chris Boucher and what he could be as an everyday NBA player and whether he was ever going to be a winning type player, but he certainly is now. And I hope he's with the Raptors, at least for next season and perhaps beyond that as well. With that, we will wrap up today's episode of the show. Thank you so much for tuning in, as always, and making us your first listen of the day. Go make your second listen of the day, Locked on Maple Leafs, as our boys Mike and Dave over there are going to tee up Game 3 between the Leafs and Lightning tonight in Tampa. Big time game over there. They're doing a fantastic job on that show, covering the Leafs' playoff run. So go support the show. Find it on YouTube and all that good stuff. And uh, with that, we will round things out. Thank you for tuning in all week. we got lots of player reviews and fun guests on tap for next week. So thank you, and we will talk to you again on Monday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye.
Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.